everyone, and this is episode one of season three of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson, and I just want to share that, yes, this is season three. We're still going on with the daily reading, and we will continue on, and um, we jump into the book of Deuteronomy. That's where we're starting off today, and essentially chapter one and two, like what we see here, it's, it's the voice of Moses. Um, some believe Joshua was the one writing, but, um, this is the voice of Moses and it's kind of going back through the history of, of the Israelites journey from Egypt. And, and it's, it's sharing his voice, but I just want to share in this podcast today that, um, you know, what the Lord was really laying on my heart, he was just pointing out different verses to, to speak about. And one of the verses that happens is in chapter verse six of chapter one. And it says, the Lord, your God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain, break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. And go to all the neighboring peoples in the Rabbah, in the mountains, in, in the western foothills, in the, in the Negev, and along the coast, the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon, and as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. And he really brought up in, in verse six saying, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And it really spoke to my heart today about, you know, not staying at this mountain that, that you're at, you know, it, it may be, you know, where you've been possibly contemplating about being saved. You know, if you, if you're not saved and you're listening to this podcast, you know, but you've been contemplating, you've been searching, you know, and you've been at this mountain of deciding whether to follow Jesus or not. And, or it could as, you know, be a mountain where you're, you haven't, you've been searching for a physical, you know, waiting for a, not searching, but waiting for a physical healing and it just hasn't happened or you're dealing with emotional hurt, unforgiveness, something that the Lord may be placing on your heart that you've been just stuck at this mountain for a long time. And it it feels like that the Lord was just speaking to me that it's time to leave this mountain. And maybe it, it may be in your spiritual journey. You're a brand new believer and the Lord is telling you to take the next step in, in your walk with him, you know, may it be increasing your, your prayer time. May it be, you know, stepping out in faith and sharing your beliefs. Maybe it's time to memorize Bible verses. I mean, that was something he was placing on my heart when I was reading this morning about, you know, really hitting it hard about memorizing Bible verses, you know, in my life and, and letting it just become natural for me to speak them. You know, it's, it's time to leave the mountain. You know, we've been there long enough and it's time to leave. And the Lord doesn't expect us to stay at the same mountain forever. You know, like I like to joke about because as I'm, 
you know, as a newspaper reporter, I go to these school board meetings and I swear this school board, like I said, they're kind of like the Israelites and they keep going around the same mountain over and over again. Um, you know, on the same subject and it's just, they keep going around it. And so, you know, we can't keep going around and, and, you know, staying at the same mountain. At some point we have to step out and move on and move on towards what God has for us. I mean, our journey is, you know, the prize that's at the end is, you know, eternal and we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and just move forward. Even if and move forward in faith. Even if it's not easy, we have to move forward. And actually, when I, when he's talking about the Amorites, I actually went and looked up the, the Hebrew word for it and what it meant. Because some of these names, you actually need to look up and, and understand who they were going up against based on their name. And the Amorites, they were Canaanitish, but they weren't Canaanites. They their name actually means mountaineer, which means, you know, yes, we're leaving this one mountain and we may be coming, you know, the first thing we come across is another mountain. And yes, in our journey with the Lord, you know, the, the most misconceived idea that is thrown out there is it's all roses, bed, you know, a bed of roses and it's all flowery and just a great good time. Now, it's not saying that, you know, serving the Lord is not fun. You know, we still, you know, I am always happy when I wake up because it's like I know that the Lord loves me and I, I don't have to live in fear anymore. I don't, you know, there's this peace over me because of the Lord, you know, being in my life. You know, there's hope in my life. There's not this dreading and because I have the Lord in my heart, I have Jesus in my heart and it, you know, it just shows that, you know, it's, it's huge proof that the tomb is empty, that Jesus was in it, it is empty, you know, and, and because of that, the tomb in my life is empty because I've walked away from sin and and I feel blessed because God is good. But, you know, we still in a live in a life that there's a fallen world. And when as you're following the Lord, the enemy is going to come in, in opposition to you to try to distract you from from following the Lord. And it's the same way with the Israelites that we see here. And so, you know, we're going to come across a mountain in our lives. You know, we're going to keep coming across mountains, but... You know, we can't be dwelling at that same mountain. We have to continue to push through and allow the Lord to work in our lives, you know, and and let him take these mountains for us. You know, we don't have to strive. When we know God's promises in our lives, we don't make him out to be a liar. We trust that he you know, he's, that he is not a liar and we continue to speak truth over the promises that he has for us and let him conquer the mountains for us. And that's true. He's going to go before us and he's going to conquer those mountains. And that's what I have to like, you know, keep saying over and over to people in my life that, 
you know, it may seem hard right now, but we can't keep dwelling at this mountain. We have to keep moving forward and what the Lord wants us to do. And so, you know, he's giving this history, you know, of what was happening. And we, we hear about the spies being sent out and, you know, like the Lord was just saying to me over and over. And I was actually reading a book the other night and in the book, it says every minute and what was brought up was every minute. And it was dealing with somebody who, a woman who found out that her husband had ALS and she started crying and sobbing in her own home. And the enemy started taking over her thoughts and saying that she was going to be a widow and just putting all this like sorrowful stuff and she was weeping. But the Lord you know, put these words every minute on her heart. And she was saying that, you know, the Lord was reminding her that every moment, every minute is, has, has been planned by him. You know, he has gone before her in every minute and it's, it's changed their lives drastically. And that's how we should live is God has gone out before us. And yes, these spies came back and they were saying, you know, and it may have been true that these, there were giants in the land and, and the enemy will do that. He will throw these obstacles at you saying that this is bigger than your God. And it's like, no, it's not. My God is bigger than these obstacles, bigger than these mountains. And I think, you know, in our relationship with the Lord, we have to always be thinking about, Yes, the Lord has gone before me. He's already fought this battle. This has already been defeated. And that's what you have to keep claiming in your life and not letting these obstacles, you know, like I like to say, you know, what is your, your perspective on God? Is he huge? Is he bigger than your problems? Because it's true. He's bigger than our problems. These problems are actually, you know, the enemy likes to throw a magnifying glass at us, making them think they're bigger, but they're really nothing. And, and they're nothing to, you know, to God. He can handle them. I mean, you think about when he, when Jesus was on the cross with the, with being crucified. I mean, what he went through, the torture that he went through, and 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 how he was nailed to the cross it was like wow you know i really didn't think about that he it was strenuous what he went through no person could survive even like past probably the flogging that happened and then having to carry a cross up to a hill which you know yes you know simon the, the cyrene had to to carry that cross for him but, you know, and then he's on this cross and, and what happens with crucifixion on a cross is you're suffocating practically at this point. So nobody could really go through that much torture and survive. And, you know, so you think about the burden he bore, even the burden of the sins that he bore. You know, he had you and and me and everybody in this world in mind as he was bearing the sins, the punishment for the sins of the world. And he bore that. Yeah, think about that. Like your obstacles are nothing compared to what he he bore on the cross. 
But we see that there's rebellion. You know, we're reminded of the Israelites' rebellion because of the lack of faith they have. And we can do that. When we have a lack of faith, we're actually being disobedient to the Lord when we doubt Him. And it's hard. And, you know, yes, we're human. You know, there have been times that I have doubted in my faith. But, you know, my faith has increased even more through those times. Even as the Lord has reminded me of his goodness, of his faithfulness. As I was reading in in Psalm 117, which is the like smallest psalm in the book of Psalms. And, you know, he it was talking about his love and his faithfulness endures forever. And that's something we have to remind ourselves. We shouldn't be like the Israelites who, who rebelled out of, you know, lack of faith. And they ended up having to wander the desert and for 40 years. And we can cause ourselves to miss out on the promises of God. And I just want to say, if you... If this microphone is picking up what sounds like the wind really blowing hard, I live in Wyoming, and no matter what happens, the wind always blows very hard. So if you're reading or listening to this podcast and you hear like what sounds like the wind blowing or my wind chimes out on the front porch, yes, the wind is blowing because we just got through having a storm, and so it's trying to blow it out. So, going back to this podcast, you know, they were en- they ended up wandering the desert for 40 years. And it was, it was talking about, you know, and I, that was another thing that he was taught or stood out to me was the Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated, eliminated them from the camp. And I'm thinking about even in our own journey, you know, we're in this journey of salvation and, and having the Lord develop us. So, you know, as we're on this journey with the Lord, the more that we're in tune to him, the more that we're praying and, and, reading his word and applying it to our lives. He is going through and he's eliminating the bad things, the doubt, the the fear. He's eliminating things in our lives that shouldn't be there. And and it's hard because sometimes we, you know, our time scale with God's it doesn't match up sometimes we want to be instantly changed but if you think about it if you were instantly perfect you know what would that actually do to you what kind of relationship would you have with the Lord if you were instantly perfect not saying that you know as in, in our belief yes we're sanctified when we say yes to Jesus as our Lord and Savior But it's also a process, you know, because we still live in this body that is drawn to to sin, you know, to to evil desires. But as we're going on this journey or 
drawing near to the Lord, he is drawing out these these things. And as we die to ourselves every day and allow Christ to live within us, they're they're leaving. You know, every bad thing that separates you from the Lord is starting to draw out. And 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 that was what really stood out to me in this. And I also kind of want to jump back to verse 7 of chapter 2. It says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has washed over your journey through the vast desert. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. As we're in this journey, we have to remind ourselves that the Lord is with us and we never lack anything. We tend to look at things that we don't have and think that we lack. And as I sit here, you know, when this is being recorded, you know, there's this coronavirus going around. And there's people, you know, like I was saying to my husband, like we were sitting there going, man, we wish we could just like be home. But you see the employment, unemployment rate skyrocketing. So many people that are struggling just to pay bills or even get groceries because of what's going on. And I sat there and I'm like, you know what? We don't lack anything. The Lord was taking care of us when he, he gave us jobs where we're considered essential workers. I said, the Lord was taking care of us in this time. And, you know, I, he was taking care of us and we don't lack anything. And like I told my husband, you know, and we kind of look for people that we know that, that are hurting because I was like, this is our chance to bless somebody else. You know, like I said, you know, like people were like talking about their stimulus check. And it's like, you know, with our stimulus check, we're praying about what to do with it. You know, we're not going to go just spend it right away. We're going to put it away and let the Lord speak to us what to do with it. And I challenge you, you know, as a believer, if you've been blessed with work and you still are getting a stimulus check, you know, let the Lord guide and direct you. You know, if the Lord does tell you, you need to apply that to your mortgage, do it. You know, God wants us to be financially responsible. But, you know, with your stimulus check, if you don't have any mortgages, you don't have any car loans, and you're thinking about, and you've, you have work, you know, let the Lord guide and direct you how to use it. You know, if he tells you to go ahead and put it in savings and maybe he sees something coming along that that you need to put that in savings or, you know, he may tell you later on who who to bless, you know, don't go and just spend it on whatever you want to spend it on. Um, Be responsible, you know, and for those of you that don't have a job. Please use that stimulus money to get yourselves groceries, to help pay for your bills, whatever you need to do to get through this time. Don't blow it on, on, you know, a getaway or something like that, you know, just, you know, use it wisely and let the Lord guide and direct you in that time as well. He'll tell you what to do, how to be financially responsible. So, 
and make sure to tithe as well. Make sure to tithe from your stimulus check. That's still a blessing from the Lord. You know, because there are churches out there that are hurting because nobody is, you know, giving money as well. Not saying that, you know, the Lord is not taking care of them. He is. But also make sure, you know, that your church is still being taken care of financially as well. So... As I continue on, you know, we're in this wandering in the desert, which, you know, in our spiritual desert or spiritual life, we're not wandering in a desert, but there may feel like times that there's nothing you like, you feel like you are in a desert and yes, that there are times where you feel like that, you know, where you're in limbo and you're going, okay, God, what is what, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? You may feel like that sometimes, but, you know, I just encourage you keep pressing in, you know, the rains are going to come, you know, just like I, I keep telling people, keep pressing in during this time. Do not give up. You know, the Lord is our healer and he's going to heal this land. You know, he is going to heal this land and, you know, and he is healing people. I was praising the Lord yesterday because here in Wyoming, you know, we've been blessed not to have such a huge spike in coronaviruses. But in Washakie County, which is not very far from where um, my county is at, Park County, they're, they're not very far. The first case of coronavirus, she was actually allowed to go home. And I was reading the newspaper article that was talking about her, her ordeal, what she went through. The woman is a believer. And I mean, she was giving God the glory because she's been going through cancer treatment and she ended up getting the coronavirus and it was bad. It was bad. And the doctors kept telling her, you're not going to make it. But she didn't allow the doctor's uh, words to be the final say. She knew that God still had something for her to do on this world. And she kept praying. She kept doing the treatments that she was supposed to be doing. She didn't give up. And... She kept fighting the good fight of faith and her daughter was praying as well. And her daughter had, you know, just this feeling that even though there was these bad news, like there was this peace from God that she was going to be healed. And, you know, you guys, she, all of you that are listening, this woman went home. You know, she still is on oxygen. She still has things that she has to do. But by golly, she beat COVID-19 so through you know and she glor and gives glory to the Lord saying that he's the one that healed her and that's something that we have to rejoice in don't just listen to the negativity and and all of that keep listening keep looking for the positives you know there are people recovering from this there God is healing people and it 
Y'all, he is working. He is working. He is healing. He is providing. And that's, even though we may not see it, it's there, you know, and just go looking for it. Go looking for those who have recovered, those stories who have recovered. That's God healing them. Even if they don't acknowledge that it's God, because they may not know that it was the Lord, but God still healed them because he's the healer. And so he's the great physician. And so that's something we have to, to stand tr- strong on. And I believe there's, you know, the days coming that this virus is going to be gone. You know, it's going to be gone and it's going to be gone in a way that glorifies the Lord. And so, you know, that's what I have to say. And, you know, as I keep reading this, you know, um, we already talked about the Amorite, Amorites and the mountains that we come across, you know, and, you know, I just want to keep encouraging you to draw near to, to the Lord, keep going on this journey and, you know, don't stay at this mountain forever. And so I just want to say that, um, for, for Deuteronomy today. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll talk or go into the book of Luke. And we're back and we are going into Luke chapter 2 and it's the birth of Jesus that uh, Luke gets into. He's the only one out of, out of all the four Gospels that talks about the birth of Jesus and Luke is, he's a historian and so the details he gives um, really provide a time frame about when Jesus uh, was was born. Um, it was in the time of Caesar Augustus. And we see that there's a decree of a census that should be taken of the, of the, of the entire Roman world. And actually, when you look into histor- other historical documents, it actually aligns with the, you know, with Luke's account that there was a census done by Caesar Augustus. And what it was this census was that it just shows what kind of time that um, the Israelites were in. It was it was a ta- uh, census for a tax that was going to be issued. Um, it was in a time where it was celebrating, Rome was celebrating its 750th anniversary. And they, there was a tax that was requiring each person to register in their home city and pay a tax to the Roman government. Part of it was to help pay for global separation or celebration, sorry, that were occurring in the Roman and Roman-occupied cities. It was a celebration to these gods that they served. And so the Israelites, in a way, were in a time where they felt oppressed, you know, because of the Rome, you know, because of Rome. And, you know, their money is going to something that they don't approve of, you know, they had already been enslaved 
for you know serving idols. This was a very harsh time because you know a time of oppression. And here's the thing about it that is so interesting. You know the Caesar Augustus was actually termed as a prince of peace. And he was actually seen as a god among many Roman gods. You know, he was seen as a god. And the time that Jesus shows up that he's born is, you know, when Caesar Augustus is ruling. And the term that we give Jesus is that he is, and and this is who he is. It's not just a term. It is true that he is the Prince of Peace. And he is the son of God. And so it's actually kind of interesting when you start really researching into the, this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, so our savior who is going to free us from the sins, uh, you know, from our sins and, you know, from bondage, you know, to heal us, he shows up in this time. And so... I mean, that's just something we should rejoice in. And, but we have to know that the Israelites didn't, many of them didn't accept Jesus because they were looking for somebody who was a conqueror. They weren't looking for somebody who was a prince of peace, you know, who was going to be a sacrifice, who was going to be the lamb. And so Joseph, you know, and Mary, they go to Nazareth and, or they go up from Nazareth to the town of Bethlehem. What is interesting about the town of Bethlehem, it's the town of David. And this is where all the, the, the sheep, if I remember right, I'm looking at my notes here. The lambs used for the temple offerings were raised in Bethlehem. And so Jesus is the lamb. You know, that was slain as as we've seen. And he's the ultimate sacrifice. And he's born in Bethlehem. And it actually fulfills Micah chapter 5 verse 2. And another thing from Nazareth to Bethlehem, generally it was a four day journey. It was actually 80 miles. If you live in Powell, Wyoming, and you actually, and maybe if you don't live in Powell, Wyoming, but you can actually go to Google Maps and, um, you know, Google the distance between Billings, Montana and Powell, Wyoming. That is about the distance that... Joseph and Mary had to go. Um, generally, it was four days, but probably it took him a week because she was pregnant. For those of you ladies that may be listening to this that have been pregnant, think about riding a donkey for about, you know, 80, 90 miles for a whole week. Being... At the end of pregnancy. It said she was great in her pregnancy. Meaning she was about ready to deliver. So think about that. You know I've heard my my friends. That have been pregnant. Say 
They couldn't do it. There's no way. They're so happy. There's a thing called cars now. Because they said it's already hard enough, like, at the end of pregnancy to even sit in a car or even let alone lie in a bed. You know, they're like, for her to ride a donkey for that long, (laughs) they're like, we consider ourselves lucky. So this ends up happening and she ends up, another thing about Bethlehem is this is not far from where Rachel, um, who is Jacob's wife, uh, who was Jacob's wife, where she died. And it talks about um, Mary when she gives birth to Jesus as she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling as I was reading, swaddling cloths were actually taken wherever you journeyed. They actually take swaddling cloths. And it was not just because of birth, but also for death. In that time, Mary could have died giving birth to, to Jesus. And so she took swaddling cloths, one either to wrap Jesus in if he was born during that time, or two, to... If she would die, Joseph would have that. And they are actually next to Rachel's tomb. But the Lord's hand was on them in this journey. And nothing happened to her. She lived. And, you know, Jesus also was born. And he was born in a manger. And generally, like, uh, mangers were, they were kind of like caves, And he was put in, we see like in nativity scenes, it's wood, but it's actually the, the mangers, the, what he was actually put in was actually rock. And so, so to talk about that and because there was no room for them in the end and, um, And so we see this event happen and there is talk about when Jesus was actually born. We celebrate on December 25th, which is known as Christmas. Generally, he was probably, some say he was either born um, during a festival um, during that time. Uh, some say that he was likely born during the Feast of Tabernacles in a second, an outdoor booth translated as stable. Um, so that's what happened. And that's where you see the, the shepherds coming in. And actually to be a shepherd, I just want to say, you know, to be a shepherd was actually one of the considered the lowliest jobs in that time. Uh, you were out with the sheep and we see that the angel shows up to shepherds, not anybody else, but he shows up to the shepherds and announces the, you know, the good news that, that Jesus was born, that, you know, you know, the savior has been born and, and they end up you know, going to find the baby wrapped in cloths and we cloth and lying in a manger. And 
this is a huge thing, you know, and I think it's because, you know, you know, God chose to show himself up to shepherds, you know, Jesus ended up being the great shepherd. And so there's like this connection there, but also, you know, we also see with Jesus, the disciples, he ends up picking, they were ordinary, you know, and God, you know, in our lives, you know, we think that it has to be somebody who's so scholarly that, that leads or, you know, somebody, you know, that's from a better family line that should be, you know, chosen by God. That's not how God is. God loved everyone. He loves everyone and he uses everyone, you know, and it just shows that, you know, no matter where we come from, God looks to our future and, you know, he doesn't use our past to determine our future. You know, when we become brand new and we're saved, he doesn't look at this past. Granted, he uses our past in a way to help us reach. You know, our past does help us to reach to those that have the same similar circumstances because we can have compassion. You know, we have compassion on them and we end up helping them, you know, being able to relate. But in a way, you know, he looks to our lives and, you know, he goes, I can work with that, you know, and, you know, nothing is impossible for God. And so, you know, he sees these shepherds, he shows up to them and they go and they end up telling, they go, you know, they go around and they spread the word that what had been told to them about this child and, and people are just amazed at what is happening, you know, and it's just amazing to see, you know, you know, and I think it was in a time where, you know, God had been silent, you know, he was still there, but there hadn't been prophecies, you know, there weren't prophets for, for over 400 years, you know, for 400 years, actually total. And the silence is being broken and people are seeing prophecy being fulfilled. And I think that's the same way with us as we see prophecy being fulfilled these days, we should be rejoicing because we're going, our savior is, is coming back. And I think that's just something we need to rejoice. Don't stay at this mountain of discouragement or don't allow this mountain of fear to take over your life. And, you know, just keep rejoicing. We can rejoice because our savior, you know, is coming and we can rejoice in that. And so that's pretty much essentially what I wanted to talk about for this episode. Um, So for the next episode, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 49. And then we're going to read Psalm 40, verses 11 through 17. And then Proverbs chapter 7, verses 20 through 23. And then Luke chapter 2 verses 25 through 52 and I'm just going to end our prayer and I just want to say thank you Lord Jesus that 
Lord, you look to our lives, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that our, our past doesn't determine our future, Lord God. And that, Lord, you take every part of us and you take what was ashes and you make them beautiful, Lord. You mold them and shape them into what you want, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you would just move in our hearts, Lord. I pray for those of us, whatever our mountain may be, Lord God, that we're struggling with. I just pray, God, that you would just push those mountains aside and help us to move forward in your will and your way, Lord God, and just to be begin to move in such a magnificent way, Lord God. And we just thank you for what you continue to do, what you will what you will do, and we glorify you, we magnify you, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Thank you.